This very special bonus episode of I Doubt It with Dollamore is brought to you by our loyal, lovely, and dedicated supporters on Patreon and PayPal. If you too would like to support the show through Patreon or PayPal, go to dollamore.com and check for the links. The following broadcast may contain free thinking and open-minded discussion, ideas, skepticism, and adult subject matter. Topics will be discussed using adult language, sometimes gratuitously. Get ready to move the conversation forward. This ain't your granddad's news and comment show. This is I Doubt It with Dollamore. All right, welcome to this very special bonus episode of I Doubt It with Dollamore. I am your host, Jesse Dollamore, sitting across from me as she always does inexplicably. No one has been able to explain this phenomenon. The lovely, the talented, the scholarly Brittany Page. Yeah, well, there there is some money involved, so that helps. <laughs> Uh, that helps a lot. So I'm, you're being paid off is what you're saying. That's exactly what I'm All saying. Right. Yeah. Well, also joining us on the call, on the call, on the show, uh-huh. <laughs> is, as you probably know, because you've seen the title of the episode, there's no there's no way to fucking surprise. You Spoiler know what I mean? alert. Yeah. Dr. David Pizarro. Yes. From Cornell University, mm-hmm. from Very Bad Wizards, from all those New York Times op-eds that you've read. <laughs> all, all of those podcasts that you've listened to, uh-huh. and all of those beats that you've listened to. Yes. Dave, how are you doing? I am happy to be talking to you guys. You know, um, as as you probably hear all the time, when you listen to podcasts, you kind of feel like you know somebody, and it's a, it's, it's sort of a weird asymmetry. Um, but I think podcasts are such personal things because you, you just pump them into your ears and you're almost it's almost like you're talking to someone on the phone. So so I'm happy to be here because I've known for a while that you guys are fun um, and and enjoyable to talk to and just the kind of assholes that I like. <laughs> how dare you say that about me? You know what? I'm more how dare you fucking steal the thing we were going to say to you. <laughs> I know. It's like you were <laughs> eavesdropping on our conversation before we got on the mics here. That's a real dick move. I got to say. <laughs> You know, I tried I tried to come with it. Well, I really we did. I had an anecdote I was going to belay to the audience and or relay to the audience. Like I'm all a, a, a flitter, a flutter. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Uh, <laughs> I, I had a, a, a listener reach out and say, you know, it's it's got to be weird for you having all these people who think they know you. Yeah. And you don't know them at all. And like, oh, that's it's I think it's great because it's you work hard being a. I'm using air quotes in the most sarcastic way possible here, content creator. But it, you work hard to to have a connection with your audience. And if you feel that way about us, and we certainly feel that way about you, uh, then uh, we're all doing our jobs. <laughs> it works out. I mean, it's something that it's like, of course, I know what people are talking about when they say that, because I feel that way about about tons of other people who I listen to, you know, so it, it's natural. It is a little weird if somebody says that to you because nobody expects that, you know, yeah. I, I, I don't I certainly don't expect that most people listen to me. But uh, but it is kind of <laughs> nice. Uh, but, and, and, you know, until people get creepy. Well, for, uh, for, for the for the audience's sake, those who who don't. Those who are criminally not listening to your show, I I have to when it, when anybody ever asks. In fact, the, over the course of the last several episodes, we've had people call in asking, "Hey, what shows do you listen to?" Yeah, uh, I always say Liar City, which is a buddy of mine show, and it's fucking fantastic. And then I, the other show I always mention is yours, Very Bad Wizards, because well, it takes a little work for me to listen to it because it is, you know, you guys are normal dudes who talk about super intelligent stuff in your super smart guy way because it's uh, philosophy <laughs> and psychology. So, so sometimes I get a little, uh, I have to fucking, you know, put an ice pack on my head because <laughs> you, you, well, so you use you, all, you use all the, 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 the site, you know, uh, philosophical, you know, consequentialist and fucking all the, you know, <laughs> goddamn. Right. Right. But it is a fucking yeah. awesome show. Well, thank you guys. And I, I, of course, listened to when you guys talked about it and in the nice words you said, like literally, like gave me an erection. Um, <laughs> no, just uh, no, it was very kind of you guys. And I love the support. And I think you guys are awesome and great. And, uh, you know, I, I was thinking about what to talk to you guys about. And one of the things I was going to say is, is um, like, I feel like the Brittany. 
um, because she's so patient with you. She's so patient. <laughs> I try. I lose my patience more with with my co-host Tamler Summers, uh, who's also a wonderful human being. But I feel like just sometimes it's we 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 play the same role, Brittany and I. Sometimes. Yeah, wow. I agree. I agree. <laughs> Fuck! I'm fucking outgunned on my own show. This is goddamn ridiculous. <laughs> well, let me let me ask you. Well, uh, we should just continue asking each other's D's because I feel like this is going really well. This is a great yeah, start right. to the show. <laughs> and for the record, I have to say that. When you had your erection, mine, it was a powerful, <laughs> powerful erection. Was, yeah. Well, I had taken Viagra like an hour before. So. Well, see, I don't so need that. Sure. I am I am all oh man. Oh my god. All man. <laughs> Jesus. So so let's uh, I guess we could just I have a couple things I wanted to talk about. I, I always like to go into kind of a detail with with people's past and how like what got you into science. But let's we'll, we'll, let's put that on the on the back burner for a second. Do, do you ever has any of the, the shit that's ever gone down on your show ever caused you any heartburn in real life on the job? That's a it's a really good question. It was one of my biggest fears. And the truth is, no. And and it's no for a couple reasons. One, none of my colleagues give a shit about what I do. I mean, they're, <laughs> they're, kind, they're kind of aware that you know, uh, uh, but but they're not going to have the patience. So I don't know if you guys feel this way, but but the people who are closest to me are the least likely to listen to my podcast because you you know why would they? Um, so I've never gotten any any shit like that from work. You know, we get the occasional pissed off listener, but 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 always sort of almost always in, in, in a spirit of good disagreement. I think one of the things that I'm proudest of, of our show is that Tamler and I disagree, sometimes disagree very emotionally. We feel very strongly, but it never feels, uh, aggressive or mean. Um, and, and so, so I'll end by saying the, the, the worst consequences, and I wanted to ask you guys about this, the worst consequences of some of the shit that we say are, the consequences interpersonally between me and my co-host Tamler, because <laughs> sometimes we just have to s s like say, Oh shit, man, that, that went bad. That <laughs> like, we like genuinely, genuinely get mad. Um, and it, it's rare, but it does happen. And, and I was, I was looking at the amount of podcasts you guys have done, the frequency with which you do them. And I'm like, how do you sanely live with each other every, this often? <laughs> well, I think that we like to debate and so it's something we enjoy and we obviously love politics. So we talk about that a lot and we're always watching the news. And when you kind of enjoy to mix it up with other people, I think it's not a problem, you know? Well, and yeah. first of all, who's asking the questions here, motherfucker? <laughs> Se second of all, <laughs> se second of all. Uh, See how I flipped it. No, listen. We when we first started doing the show, and this will we have listeners who are who've categorized themselves as nosy and want to know all the how the sausage is made. But yeah, er, in the early days when we were very first starting, we're you know this is three years ago, two hundred and you know three hundred episodes ago, it was goddamn. Sometimes we would get a little heated and have to shut yeah. it down. Well, yeah. I, I always make the joke that the only edits we have to make are us fighting. <laughs> it's it's not me making a mistake or him making a mistake. It's we start fighting right. and then it needs to be cut out. And it's unfortunate because with you and Tamler, I feel like I've been cheated out of these belligerent fights that you guys have that you don't post. I'm like, I want to hear it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, for the record, uh, a couple things. One, I think that it is that I should say that that the fights are are infrequent. And if anything, over you know four years or whatever, almost five, I guess, years of doing it with Tamler, it, we've become sort of un unwittingly each other's best friend. Like when you talk to somebody that much, yeah, you can't help but form a really really deep friendship. So the the fights that we have gotten into, in fact, one recently about campus politics. The only time we edit is when the, the fights become such trivial inside shit. Like if there were actually any content that would be of interest there, we would keep it in. And, yeah, we, yeah. and we've kept some of those in. But if it's just like, oh, well, you're a fucking asshole. <laughs> well, um, then with us, typically what happens with me is I'll, I'll call Donald Trump a cunt. One time I called Matt Walsh that 
Christian blogger account on the show. It didn't make the show because I just look up and she's staring daggers into me. And I go, I go, I go, oh, I called it a sm- your smarmy cunt blog. Yeah. And then I look up and she's staring at me and I go, no. She goes, no. <laughs> so I, I get it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I think Tamler and I had a discussion about that word because I don't like to say it. And he, you know, he's perfectly fine with it. And he said, he goes, it's not like I would ever say it when I was like having sex with a girl. And I was like, that's the only time I would ever say it. There's an argument to be made that like, you know, saying some fucked up shit is really hot when you're like doing something, but like not just in passing. Well, I I have how I how I justify it in my mind is I only use it for dudes. Like I would never call a woman that that's oh, my God, that's. What kind of a monster would I be? But, you know, I reserve it for, like, Donald Trump and, you know, like Matt Walsh, who he's pretty irrelevant. But yeah. sometimes they need to be called names, too. <laughs> it's this, it's, that's the power of words, man. If, if, you, if you bring them out all the time, they sort of stop being, uh, b- being as hurtful. And you want to save a few of the really hurtful ones in your pocket for when you really want to hurt feelings. You know? Sometimes. <laughs> Sometimes you just want to hurt feelings. Well, um. you know, look, like I said, I'm not the smart guy, so I I very quickly resort to name calling. And Brittany is not. She's that's not cool. It doesn't work. Yes, so. I imagine she's just writing down all of the really bad things as, to, as a method of self control. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Let's not go into my journal. All right. <laughs> all right. So okay. Well, before we move on, let me let me. I do want to. If anybody's going to start with an episode of your show. Don't go to number one. For me, it's episode 96, and it's it's this hybrid movie review, philosophy, psychology expose on the movie Memento. Mm-hmm. And yeah. with Paul Bloom, who, you know, I don't know what kind of a guy it makes me that my, the titans that I looked up to, or that I look up to are guys like you and Paul Bloom and, you know, intellectual types. I'm not a... I mean, I watch football and shit because, you know, I'm a super macho man with a giant erection. But <laughs> right. I uh, you guys, I just I, I I guess I aspire to be that. It's something I'll never fucking be. But I I really admire the the, the vigor with which you guys were able to flesh out some some points in, in the in Christopher Nolan and in, in, right. in what he does and even some of the stuff that Bloom was saying about how he makes movies that are all kind of surrounding this kind of thing inception. And I'm like, Oh yeah, Holy shit. Like uh, these obvious or after he said it, it seemed obvious. Just, it was awesome. So that's the episode to start with on your show for everybody. And if they don't like that episode, then fuck them. Yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't disagree. It's one of my favorite too. And Paul, Paul Bloom is, is, he's also one of my heroes, somebody who I aspire to be. And just sharp that dude, you know, I went to, he was my, one of my advisors in grad school and he, this guy would have the the power to he would just sit in on, say, an academic talk um, in something that was completely not his area. Right. Just just come to a, a talk that's, that's outside of his area. Listen to the whole thing. And at the end, ask a question very sort of innocently and very sort of positively framed. But we, what you realize was that he had caught something and his question completely was capable of destroying the entire talk. Um, and it's that. It's not that he was looking for that. It's that he has such a keen eye um, to to get to the heart of something um, that that to me has always been the model of 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 good be, being a good academic. He, he, you know, he has his flaws. I'm going to sit here sucking Paul's dick all day, but you know. <laughs> well, uh, but, uh, we might just skip your whole fucking childhood thing. Uh, um, there's there's a topic that I didn't even know existed, and I'm going to let Brett, Brittany ask about. It's the Apparently, there's some kind of a rift between the two factions of psychology, and all you dicks in social psychology, you you turn up your nose noses like fucking snobs at clinical people. What, what's going on? What's going on with your side of psychology? You know, I don't know, Brittany. You want to set the context for this? <laughs> <laughs> well, it, Jesse seems to be more concerned about it than me. Um, <laughs> 
because my program is the scientist practitioner model. So it's both, right? There's an emphasis in research. There's an emphasis in clinical. So I don't really have to make up my mind right now. And I'm thinking of switching over to social for my PhD, but we'll see what happens. But I've noticed that people do kind of have this attitude. I have a friend who's actually at UCI getting his PhD in um, Mm -hmm. psychology and social behavior. And I I postdoc there. Yeah. I was a postdoc there for three years. Yeah. Yeah. And he kind of turns up his nose at me when I talk about my program. Uh, I think he's kidding mostly, but (laughs) there's just a weird attitude that people have. Like clinical people are, are less than. Yeah. I, I hear what you're saying. I mean, I, I think it's bullshit. I, my understanding is that the rift was earlier on within clinical, right? The, when the, APS divided up from the APA. So the two big bodies that sort of govern American psychology, um, uh, there was a group of people who wanted to be more scientific and more evidence-based and more research-based. And they kind of formed their own, you know, science, they put science in the name and oh, that makes uh, it official. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) I think actually it was Paul once told me that if a field puts science in its name, like chances are pretty good that it's not science. (laughs) Um, like, like food science. Yeah. yeah. Neuroscience. (laughs) Neuroscience. Um, and, uh, and so I, I think that the divide is between, is between sort of the, the people who are in the lab doing research and people who are not, which is silly. I I think I was lucky enough to be in grad school with people, uh, who, you know, we had a very serious clinical psych program that was evidence-based. But there's something to be said about putting more emphasis on training people to actually know how to talk to people and deal with people in a normal way because or else you get a bunch of like weird science nerds trying to do therapy. And that's that works when what you're trying to do is, you know, cure simple phobias. And here's list A through Z of the steps that you need to take. Right. But sometimes you just wish that they had a little bit more training on on how to like be human beings to other human beings. Yeah, yeah. So. And I definitely see that too where it's kind of like you're a you're a CBT person, cognitive behavioral therapy, mm-hmm. or you tend to go toward more of the hippy dippy stuff like narrative exactly. and, and, and stuff like that, the postmodern techniques. And there's kind of that divide that I see. And then you can definitely tell the difference in the type of person <laughs> uh, that chooses those different totally. routes too. Totally. And I think that that one of the huge problems is that people who who, you know, Here's, and Brittany, you might have a lot more to say about this, but here's what I see. Like somebody is finally at the point where they're open to the idea of going to see a therapist, right? So, so you know, maybe a lot of the people I was raised around, like culturally or for, for whatever reason, they they look down upon, you know, they, they would see it as weakness to admit that they, they needed to see a, a therapist. So you finally get to that point. And now how do they choose, right? There is so little, I think, to help people choose what kind of therapist they want to see. And as you know, there's 10 million kinds of therapists. And it really sometimes depends on what exactly you're trying to get out of a therapist. Like, right. like if you really want, if, you, if you're just afraid of flying, you know, go, go CBT. But what if you just want to come in and be like, ah, my life sucks. You yeah. know, can we talk about, about my relationships? Maybe not a CBT therapist. Right. It's hard to find out. I told yeah. you all that it's stuff really hard. off mic. You don't need to fucking air my dirty laundry all over the goddamn <laughs> internet. I, I mean, it was just <laughs> top of mind. It was top of mind. Say, you know, say you have a small penis and it's really getting to you. Um, <laughs> again, just, just again, again, off mic, Dave. <laughs> off mic. Goddamn. Well, you definitely want to go the narrative route because that could be an externalizing problem, right? That's not really <laughs> your problem. That's just a problem you have. You can talk about it outside of yourself, right? <laughs> that's right the problem is the problem i'm not the my my small penis isn't the problem the the i don't know how to work yeah you messed it all up that all up (laughs) so so with your research that's a fucking sterling silver fucking segue right there you see that beautiful that's how it's done it's fucking professional golden age of radio (laughs) (laughs) so so you gave a ted talk and uh, Jesse watched I, it last night because we are professionals and we really do the work I think here. I'd, I think I'd watched it before. That's good. I think I had That's, the sweet, it's, you know, that sweet white I bet shirt. You most, 
you, you look you look like you were vacationing in fucking Cuba in the fifties with that shirt on. <laughs> Can I tell you something? Like I was, I did not know what the fuck to wear. That was my biggest source of nervousness. <laughs> like, I I'll remember the night before. I was like, what am I gonna what am I gonna wear? Jesus Christ! Like, thanks for bringing up those insecurities. <laughs> it's what I do. You talk about my small dick. Mm-hmm. Look, I'm going straight to mm-hmm. the clothes. Next, uh, next, I'm going to break out the the c word on you. <laughs> so, I, I, one, I think it's uh, the entire process of getting. I don't know if you're invited or if you apply to do the TED Talk thing. It's something I'll never have any. No one's ever coming to me to give a TED Talk <laughs> because no one's interested in why do you hate Donald Trump? Why do you think he's a fucking monster? Please come and talk for 17 <laughs> minutes about it. So I, I think it's it's a the whole prospect of giving a TED talk is fascinating. Um, how does how does that work? So in in my case, it was actually sort of a special uh, process because I wasn't invited. This is douchebaggery, like 101, I guess, because um, like who cares? But the way that it usually works is there's the big <laughs> TED conference. Um, and you, if you're famous, you get invited to go to that big Ted conference. They record all of them. They used to actually post all of those on Ted.com. Um, now I think that they don't post all of them, but then there are these TEDx talks that TEDx is basically like they open source the name Ted and they allowed people if they follow certain guidelines to, to put on their own Ted of local Ted events. So I was invited to give a TEDx talk in New York. Um, and it just so happens. And the reason that I got invited was because Dan Ariely, who's been always awesome to me, um, put my name in as a suggestion, um, gave the organizer my name. They invited me and it's a, it's, it was in a nice big place in New York city and they have good production value or whatever. And what happened is that Ted.com, the big website that everybody goes to, I think it's once a year, they'll pick a TEDx talk and promote it to a TED talk. Mm. So I didn't get a chance to go, you know, rub shoulders with all the fucking famous people or whatever. I, <laughs> I, I went to this one and just by sheer merit and charm alone, mm. um, <laughs> I got promoted to the TED.com. So there's always a caveat to whether, you know, when I say it was a TED talk, but it is, it is, um, it, I was lucky to get, to get promoted because it does make a huge difference. It's like the difference between like a hundred YouTube views and then like 150,000 the very first day that they posted. I would I would postulate that it wasn't your charm and wit. I think it was the shirt. The shirt. Yeah, I think <laughs> it, was it was the, the shirt. shirt. I know, I know, I know. That so, was like the one shirt that I had that was appropriate. <laughs> you know, professors, we don't we're not known <laughs> for our, for our fashion sense. So your your research is around disgust. And moral judgment in moral judgment, which it kind of butts up against Britney's, which is also morality. But I guess on the what's the scale, Brit? Moral foundations. Yeah. So but yeah, but, but there it is. It's odd. It, it, it's it doesn't really follow naturally that politics or political decision making would be tied to someone's emotion of disgust. But it sure as fuck does. Right. Yeah, it seems to be so like and and I think you're right to like there's an obvious way in which emo- we know emotions affect judgment. Right. So whatever emotion you're feeling is going to color your judgment. Um, you know, like if you ate something and it made your stomach upset, it's going to color your judgment. Um, the interesting thing about disgust, though, is that unlike emotions like anger or fear, where it's obvious sort of what role they play socially, where you say, well, I'm angry because somebody did something wrong. I get, this anger energizes me. Disgust really is one of these emotions where it's like the purpose of it, the point of it, the sort of functional story um, from an evolutionary perspective is that, hey, you know, you might die if you eat some of this shit and you might die if you touch some of that shit. And so so this emotion is going to give you a strong, strong reaction to certain kinds of things and it will keep you it'll make you essentially more likely to survive and procreate right simple story yeah. keep stuff bad stuff out of your mouth keep keep pathogens out of uh, out of contact with you and the the fact that it seems to influence our judgment for other things is interesting i think even more interesting because because the link is isn't so obvious it's not it's not obvious that it should um, affect our judgment but it but it's pretty clear that it does and um, it just is one of the strong emotions that you can recruit. Like as 
rhetorically, you can, if I can make you really, really grossed out at somebody, um, then it, of course, it's going to change all kinds of, of your thoughts about them. And one of the ways I can do it is by using this functional nature, the, the, using the, the evolutionarily adaptive nature of that emotion. So I can say like, that person is just like, did you hear that they, you know, they don't wash very often or they eat some weird, weird shit. You get that disgust <laughs> reaction going. And then that actually makes you view that other person in a different light altogether. That's fucking, I, I, listen, I, I was, I did watch a few things in preparation <laughs> for this and I found I'm it, sorry. I, I found it very interesting. I don't know where you were. Or maybe it was the Ted talk itself, but you talked about people's, when you would bring them into the lab and you would fill the room with like a shit smell. I mean, it would be gross in there. <laughs> yeah. And then you would ask him questions about their feelings about, you know, homosexual men or whatever, that the, the answers were markedly skewed negative toward their thoughts about gay men. If there was a disgusting smell in the room. So it absolutely does have an effect like in real fucking time. Right. 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 And I, I think that, that, um, it's not, you know, in talking about this, it's always hard because we get effects over and over again that disgust seems especially easy uh, as an influence on judgments about like sexual behavior. And there's good, I think there's good reason for that. Some people think that one of the reasons that disgust did evolve is to avoid incest. And so you're supposed to be grossed out if you, you know, grew up with your sibling. You're not supposed to have sex with them because that leads to all kinds of crazy babies. Um, and so some, there are people who argue that sex and sexuality is, is, is part of the disgust reaction, but even if it's not just the, because it's a, the kind of behavior that swaps bodily fluids, like it's a, it's a risky behavior, right? If you had to sit and think, I always tell students, if you really had to think about what you're doing when you have sex, like you'd probably be like, Oh, that's a not good idea. <laughs> like, right. There's a reason we get horny and that is to like, make you not think about the gross shit you're doing. Right. Um, <laughs> That's the end drop. That's the end drop. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I think that like when you ramp up disgust, it makes it, it makes other people's sexual behavior just seem worse. And it, and it just so happens that homosexuality or, or gay men is a social category. They are just the, by the fact that they're defined by a particular sexual act is kind of weird because we don't usually define people by you yeah. know, their favorite sexual act. You, sure. you would never introduce somebody saying like, hey, this is Jesse. He's really into leather, you know, like that. It wouldn't <laughs> again, come up. Again, right? again. Off <laughs> mic. <laughs> Jesus I'm not Christ. A, I'm, not a, I'm not a clinician, so I have no, but no client privilege. <laughs> uh, I just say it. <laughs> um, but but with, with gay men, that, that's just at the forefront. So you ramp up disgust. You tell me about a sexual act. I think it's just really easy to 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 show that disgust is going to affect judgments uh, of that person. But we see it in all other kinds of, you know, if, if I just describe any other sexual act, um, you know, like in some of these anecdotes that we give, it's like, you know, uh, a guy and a girl had sex in their on their grandmother's bed. Like disgust also makes people think that that's worse. Sure. Um, right. Well, I, I had this thought last night. Is, has there ever been a, a look at this from the perspective of not disgust? Uh, influencing politics, but politics may be influencing disgust because I I grew up in a fundamentalist, nutter-butter <laughs> Christian tradition. And it, there was one time in my life, you know, uber Republican. My mom's a fucking Trump delegate. It's, you know, it's that's not a... Good times. Yeah, ugh, goddamn. But I used to make the argument against homosexuality like a lot of these ding-dongs do. And I would say... What's next? Having sex with dogs? Yeah, I was that. <laughs> yeah. I was that moron. And yeah, I mean, yeah, no, in, me look, too. into it, my early twenties, I was that idiot. And yeah, so I, I'm sure, had I been quizzed or questioned or studied under a a deep, intense scientific microscope, a lot would have been there. But uh, I'm sure that my disgust uh, meter, that nerve, would have been a lot more sensitive maybe then than it is now. Maybe that just happens with age, but do you think maybe politics does influence not not necessarily the other way or in addition to? Maybe. Yeah, it's a good question. And it's one that's not quite clear. Like 
one of the things that's still unclear is to what extent disgust is really a series of emotions that are kind of similar to each other. And so, um, so there are people who argue that your disgust at sexual stuff is sort of has a different basis, maybe biological, maybe evolutionary basis than your disgust at interpersonal, uh, contact with strangers, um, and to food, like that there might be three different kinds of disgust. And so, so, um, May, maybe um, your actual overall disgust sensitivity went down um, as you changed your political views. Or it may just be the case, which is, I think, ha- happened to me because I, Jesse, like you, was raised in a very, very religious environment um, thinking homosexuality was a sin. I am really easily disgusted. So mm. if you talk to me about putting like, you know, finding a hair in your salad or whatever, like you, you could probably make me gag pretty easily. That wow, would be me my- as well. Yeah, Brit- that's right. Brittany, which is weird because she's she's the uber liberal. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. And yeah, and I don't feel like like that disgust level has gone down as I've become more liberal. It's just that I, I think I do more. I, I try at least to do more uh, regulating or at least introspecting about whether or not those emotions right. are influencing. You, you utilize cognition to work through your, your instincts. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it sounds it sounds almost arrogant to say that sometimes reason can can help. Um, it can help because, like, the truth of the matter is, you know what? Picking your nose is gross. T- taking a big dump no, is gross too. But very satisfying. Well, <laughs> they're <nobody> very. <laughs> <laughs> they they are. That's true. There's, um, but nobody's like, oh my god, I can't believe. Uh, you know that that you took a dump like that's just wrong. No, it's gross and it's not wrong, right? Right. So even if you think like even if you still can never shake the thought that two men having sex because you're a heterosexual uh, male, even if you can never shake the thought that it's gross, so what? Yeah. And I always tell my class, you know, two really ugly people having sex is also gross. <laughs> like, but but no one's legislating against it. I mean, that's, well, but yeah. I, but I'd, well, they'd be I'll, legislating against themselves. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. Like, here's here's Congress here, sex tapes. Here's a new study that I think you guys should commission. I don't know how it works because, you know, dumb guy and everything. But Brittany Page, if you could get her in an elevator. And have people intermittently oh, come God. on and sneeze no. into the air and just watch her claw at the sides of the elevator <laughs> trying to get away. I think there's that's something reasonable. there. Yeah, we could. We that's, could. that's totally reasonable. You know, it's funny because I like I always tried to say, especially early on, like uh, I'm not saying whether it's good or bad to be disgusted. And part of me still really, really believes this, that that I don't I don't see why a conservative would be offended if I say that all, overall conservatives are more easily disgusted than liberals. Um, and by, and there's mounting evidence from across the world that this is just a relationship that seems to hold because there's no right answer to how much you ought to be disgusted. And in fact, I think some, like some of these kids like in college, they should be more disgusted. Don't like you should shower more often. You should, you shouldn't <laughs> sneeze without covering your, your, your mouth. Like uh, there's all kinds of ways in which I, I think people ought to feel more disgust, but <laughs> I, I have vague memories of discussing this research with conservatives. And it does seem like I remember them trying to distance themselves from believing that they are disgusted by homosexuality, that that's not what is motivating their, belief about homosexuality that they aren't disgusted so i wonder if it like you're saying it's a negative thing for them to admit that they are disgusted by it and that's why they feel the way they do yeah i think it's it's like you you know you want to say you you want to believe that 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 your beliefs are based on principled reasons and and i actually think that that the interaction between emotions and reason can work in that way too like you can just say oh you know i no longer believe that this is morally wrong so and maybe that might actually get them to feel less disgust and i, I think it's just part, part of our just tradition about the way we think about emotions that if you tell somebody that their decisions were based on on an emotional reaction it sounds like you're being dismissive or you're saying that they're wrong um, but it's not like I think most liberals are basing their beliefs on on, you know, super well thought out reasons either. Right. It's just, you know, that's just how shit works, man. Sometimes we think through things. Sometimes we don't. I just came from, um, you know, here's my liberal card. I just came from a Planned Parenthood um, like fundraiser brunch. Right. And it's like if what you wear, it's not. As if, 
<laughs> I, went, I was wearing a, I was wearing the same shirt, that same exact shirt, my one shirt. Um, and and it's not like there's you know there aren't emotions running high there, right? right. It, it's not just the presence of the emotion that that makes your opinions wrong. It's whether or not you have other reasons. So fine, if you think it's gross, think it's gross. But if that's the only reason you think that it's wrong, then God, you know, like. You need to think a little bit more. Yeah, right? yeah. yeah. Well, we're going to do this totally backwards. Since you did mention that you grew up similarly to me, I think you were Seventh Day Adventist, though, right? Ben Ben Carson. God damn man. it! You the stole my goddamn yeah. fucking. That's where exactly where I was going. I was going to say something about the strong tradition of 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 intellectual spiritualism of fucking Ben Carson. God damn that. Guy. You know, you know what's funny is. Uh, when I grew up, Ben Carson was so. I grew up in Southern California in Riverside. Actually, you guys know mm-hmm. the nine oh nine, and nine oh nine. It's nine five one now, but it was nine oh nine back then. It's we still and call it nine oh niners. Nine oh niners. Yep. I I uh, we're gross to you guys, um, and uh, gro- so growing up Seventh Day Adventist and Seventh Day Adventism for those who who aren't so familiar with it. One of the things that they always emphasize is um, health. And so we actually have, you might be aware of the clinical psych program, even in Loma Linda University. Um, There's a big medical center, a big medical school in Southern California. Mm -hmm. It's always been sort of a um, really active in, in the medical field and in allied health. And Ben Carson was always, when I was a kid, he was held up as this like hero, right? This kid who came out of the, the mean streets of Baltimore. And I also grew up in a pretty multi-ethnic environment. So he was like this this champion for like the black community and the Adventist community. And now it's just like, oh my God. Just the other day, I asked my friend who happens to have been raised Adventist with me and who is also black. I'm like, what's more embarrassing? The black part or the Adventist part? Like, which one brings you more shame now? Because... <laughs> <laughs> He's like, I don't even know, man. <laughs> I, uh, I, I, yeah. I listen. I don't. He, he, to me, he's the paragon. If you hold up an, an example of a guy who, who does have a fucking brain. I mean, we we know. Yeah. He, he is a a well trained. Here's the other thing. I've said for years. There's a difference between being educated and being well trained. A doctor, a medical doctor. He, they're not well educated. They're well-trained, right. and he's a yeah, well-trained they're man. Mecha- they're mechanics for a really, really complicated machine. But we know that the fucking pyramids weren't you built to store grain. We fucking know this. Can you believe that? It's like, I think the, I think that that MDs, maybe in the subculture of Adventism, but just in general, are often held up to be the smartest people, and I think they they get gassed up on that. Like, they, they believe it. They, they believe their own hype. And so they uh, <laughs> often some of my best friends are MDs, you know, but but they often think that their opinion is is valid across the board in a way that it's like, dude, hey, come on, man. Really? Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. Well, I don't. It's, You're good at this one thing. Just be good at that one. Yeah. Thing. Just just own it, man. Like there are there are people who work on like, you know, fucking Ferraris and they know the ins and outs of a machine. But like they're not offering their opinion on public policy, but that's what you right. do. You do. You work on a machine. You work on a really, really hard machine, but you work on a machine, right? Like- well, it's also <laughs> when he gets offered and th- this whole I've been inv- involved in politics for a long time and I've I've always been a little creeped out. I, that might be a little harsh, but it's always been a weird thing for me when. Like when I worked for the Senate and I'm I'm watching debate happen and oh my good friend from the Hubble oh my good friend across the aisle and I I've seen you guys interact in, in private you guys fucking hate each other what are you talking about right. my good friend and so you have Donald Trump saying that he's effectively a fucking child molester and and then oh oh he's gonna offer me the, the housing and urban development secretary okay yeah right on Donald Trump can do no wrong yeah it's amazing there's just no no, f- it's so hot. Fe- God damn. How do you? OK, because uh, I'm going to ask questions, too. How do you maintain? <laughs> so sometimes I, I just to pass time, I click on Jesse's videos, his his anti-Trump rants to pass um, time. They're entertaining. <laughs> yeah, just to pass time. And uh, and I find it extraordinarily hard to care enough because I think the whole political process is so fucked. And of course, I'm a liberal, 
But on the left and right, what you described is true of politicians. It's not just true That's right. of conservative politicians. It's just true. How the fuck do you maintain the energy to even participate in this when it's so depressing how it, how it works? Well, let me – I – well, let me, let, me, let me S your D a little bit. Spit on my hand here. You – I – when you after the election, God, I'm all flustered. After the election, mm-hmm. you guys were, talked about this for quite a few episodes, yeah, Let's, maybe three, because you guys are yeah. every two weeks or whatever. Yeah, and you said something uh, on a show where you were just you expressed exactly how I was feeling, and I went through a period. It was my dark time <laughs> after the. Well, right? I, was, I think it was when he talked about crying, right? Yeah, that you were. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was just like yeah. fuck. I feel the same fucking way, but. I serve a different function than you in podcast land and I couldn't right. I couldn't just okay we're gonna put the show on hiatus and fucking go away for a little bit I right, had to right, dig, right. dig deep into a place you know and it sounds uh, how fucking douchey is that I really had to dig deep and keep doing podcasts what a <laughs> fucking idiot no but no but, that, but yeah it's, it feels weird to say but like that's that's sometimes you guys probably get the same feeling where like if if I don't if I don't record again Fucking ev- everybody has won. It, like all of the energy that I've put into, I, we have to keep well, going. Right? It, we it's, have to. Keep going. It, it's for sure that that everybody else has won, but it's also, and again, I'm really treading very, very heavily on douche territory here. That it, I hope if I can help out, <laughs> just you're, if I can are help, you worried about your listeners being surprised that you're treading heavily <laughs> on douche? <territory? laughs> no, no, they know uh, me well. Just but I, I, I really feel an emotional connection to, to my audience whom I know, you know, through interaction with the show. And then also the, that unseen audience. Like, I had no idea you've been watching my goddamn videos. And if I can give someone any solace at all about what's going on, that they're not alone out there, that there are other people who are concerned, who are fired up, who are passionate about this, then goddamn, that's for me, that's. It, it gives me enough, just enough strength to keep going because I'm still very bothered by what took place. I did a four hour. It was supposed to be like a half hour Facebook live thing that night where people were like, oh, are you going to cover the election? And I'm like, ah, I don't know if I have the the chops, the skill yeah, to sit there yeah. and just talk with no one talking back to me or have Brittany to bounce things off. And then four hours later, it was this roller coaster. This really affected me. Right. But I think the other piece of it is that we hear from people who say, right, we are getting involved for the first time in our in our life. We are calling our congressman. Yeah. We are getting involved. We're trying to make a difference. We're going to meetings. We're forcing people to have town halls. And that's where it starts. Right. People who didn't care before are now afraid. And so they're getting right. involved. And, and that's important. Yeah. And I think that's that's like it's an important role that the that the free press is playing still like the media and that people like it's a division of labor. Right. Like, I don't think I could do what you guys do because I feel dejected in that way. But but I'm glad that you guys are there doing it. Right. Well, I, uh, thank you. And, and also, again, thank you for that. The, the very candid talks that you and Tamler had on the show, because it. It wasn't just, look, it was me listening who was like, ah, I'm not alone. And of course, I knew that I wasn't alone because Brittany came back from class the day after the election. I think she had when, yeah, I think that was last semester. You had Mm -hmm. a Wednesday class. Yeah. And there were people crying. Yeah. In class. Yeah. So. Yeah. And and I I was really like, I, I. it's easy to dismiss it as, as liberal histrionics because, you know, but that's why I felt like it was, I think, really important to say it because, I, you know, fine, if someone wants to accuse me of liberal histrionics, but I don't think most people who know me would think of me as somebody who would just be like, you know, flailing about just for show. Like, it, <laughs> right. it affected me in a in a really, really deep way. Like, this is, it's like, fine, you know, I, maybe I said this on the show, it's like finding out that half of your friends have been having secret meetings, you know, talking shit about you. Yeah. Um, for, for, and and you just found out one day, like when they announced. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's, David that is it. Well, yeah. listen, here's, it's, for me, it was, and I still, I love, look, I was in the fucking Marine Corps, that's when Brittany's supposed to say something. Funny. Uh, Jesse was a Marine, everybody. <laughs> and <laughs> hasn't happened for a long time, so I forgot. Sorry. I, 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 lo- I love my country. I mean, in a, in one of those 
dumb flag flying patriotic kind of you know right the, the national anthem player god bless america behind me kind of ways yeah i i really have a a i do believe in the reagan vision of america as as america being that shining city on the hill i do i still believe that and when right. when the country you know what's shining in Reagan's vision is because all the white people. Uh, That's it, right. <laughs> all those dirty homeless people were were hidden away. Uh, I I have a fondness for for my country that I believe is maybe a little problematic. And when when my country turned on me, and listen, I was no Hillary Clinton fan. She was just the best alternative to Donald Trump. Um, right. It. It hurt. it hurt. It really. I was. Uh, yeah. I wouldn't say depressed, like like depression, but something happened, and it was. Uh, it was. It was a slog to get through. Yeah, you're right. It's it's like a different depression isn't the right word, but it's like something we all went through, and and it's just like this collective despair, you know. And you could feel it in the air at a place as liberal as Cornell. Uh, you can imagine, right, where where you have to use a different scale of political orientation here because because if you're not like communist then you're not liberal um <laughs> right but uh but but no i i'm with you and in fact my parents were both immigrants from south america and it's it's both Latin, right so chile and argentina grew up grew up uh they they came here to to for economic and educational opportunities for their kids. And they love this country in a way that I, I feel sometimes, uh, people take for granted who are not, who are not absolutely immigrants in the recent past. And so my parents, you know, growing up, most of my family was Republican and they were Republican because my dad was both an accountant and because economic opportunity and the free market were what, why, why he came to this country. And I, I remember people used to ask me, like, how, how can your family be Republican when they're Hispanic? I'm like, I don't think you're getting it. I don't think, <laughs> I don't think, right. right. It's, it's, we, we loved this country in a way that you have to, you have to have experienced the shit of some other countries and their economic situations to, to, to appreciate uh, how good this country can be. And, but I will say with pride, just the other day, my father, lifelong Republican, told me, I never thought I'd hear these words. He said, Who would have thought? So when Obama was elected, I really didn't like him and I considered myself a Republican. And now I like Obama more than ever and I consider myself a Democrat. 82 years old, he changed his mind. At age 82. Yeah, yeah. That's my, if fantastic. my father can do that, if my father can do that, there's hope. Yeah. Well, I'm look, I didn't vote for Obama either time. That's because you're racist. That's right. <laughs> oh, yeah. Very racist. And I, I changed my party affiliation the day after the election to Democrat from no party um, preference. But I, I also, and I'm, you know, I'm a, I'm a baby. I cry all the time about everything. But I was listening to... One of the last podcasts, I, I I went through a period where I stopped listening to shows altogether, yours included, because I was yeah. just, uh, that was during my dark time, Dave. But uh, <laughs> like I, three, I th three days of Merlot, and, like, <laughs> Benadryl. Oh, yeah. So th there was, I think it was This American Life or so somebody did a, a show on uh, the mail, the mail room in the White House. And how they were prepping his lot because um, Obama had 10 letters delivered to him every day at night for him to read the next day from from voters. From oh, I'm sure Donald Trump citizens. does this, too. Yeah, I'm sure. Fuck. Okay. They'd have to be like written by five year olds in crayon for him to fucking get it. He says, bring me the ones with checks or money in them. <laughs> so and I or pictures of, uh, of pussies. <laughs> <laughs> I'll take that. <laughs> and grab that. There, I found myself crying and being kind of disappointed in myself that I didn't come around on the Obama thing because I allowed myself to get caught up in the in the the Republican hysteria, which ended up being yeah. a a a concerted yeah. effort, a planned conspiracy type of thing where they met on his inauguration day to plan how they were going to delegitimize, and this is all documented, this isn't some conspiracy theory, Newt Gingrich has said as much on the news, that they they plan to delegitimize his presidency, and really the only reason, he's a fucking black guy. 
Right. And, and I've right. really had to come around that the Republican Party, whether it was before, I don't really have the the objectivity to look at it that way. But it's pretty fucking racist, man. I mean, th- th- that's just <laughs> yeah. that's just one man's opinion. But <laughs> goddamn. Yeah, yeah. It's um, it's it, what, what I think that that the odds that racist jokes are told in clo- behind closed doors <laughs> by people <laughs> in Congress are, like are pretty high, you know, like, yes. um, but, but, but it doesn't even fucking matter. You know, it's like, it's, it is sad. I've always thought that, that the Republican party was very good at getting things done. Right. They, they, they were very good at accomplishing their goals. It's just that their goals never quite matched up with mine. Um, and the Democratic Party had lofty ideals, but they were just a little sloppier. Like it was it was it wasn't so obvious that they could get from point A to point B because I don't know, they were twinkle eyed and they, they had lofty aspirations, but didn't mobilize as much. Yeah. And I think that the Obama thing changed a little bit with the way that he mobilized voters in the campaign. But um, but goddamn, this last election, as you say. It was like one of those Super Bowls where you don't give a fuck about who's who's playing, um, but you have but you have to choose one. Yeah, but who know? who wins really matters in this case. <laughs> exactly, it really matters. It really matters. This orange fuckface. So, so oh, man. Okay, let's <laughs> let's. I, I I had this is why I wanted to have you on, and we haven't even fucking gotten to it. God damn. Uh, censor- yeah. censorship on campus again a gold star fucking transition there well and the the <laughs> election is a good example of that right where people were crying in class and there were trump supporters in those classes too while people yeah. were, were crying and right that was kind of awkward um uh, probably for them i mean it was awkward for me knowing that they were trump supporters i was kind of just staring at them waiting for micro expressions yeah, she's not talking generally <laughs> this uh, this actually happened in class yeah yeah she she called a guy out turned around in her chair and said oh really i'd love to talk to you about that later well it was a little less aggressive county right yeah you're in orange county exactly (laughs) yeah so i don't really see the the censorship so much i mean mostly what happens is people find out who the trump supporters are and then talk shit behind their back (laughs) and they don't treat them differently face to face it's not like they're ostracized and that's also because they're cowards, but yeah, that's neither here nor there, I guess. Yeah, I guess it just depends. <laughs> or, or let's they're yeah. not Jesse D. Well, I mean, it <laughs> it would probably be difficult. It's what it's what Dave was talking about, where you find out that everyone has been talking shit behind your back. Yeah. And hates you or doesn't support your right to exist or have equality i mean that that's that's a difficult thing so when they're talking shit behind the trump supporters back that's i don't know is it expected of them to confront them and say listen why did you yeah yeah vote I, for no, this yeah, person who's gonna support policies that disproportionately affect me anyway so all that to say i don't see that censorship is so much an issue on my campus do you see it as an issue on yours I don't, you know, certainly not censorship, right? I think that we've all felt the tone change a little bit. And, and I do, when I got up in class after the day after the election and I, and I gave my little spiel, I did sort of afterwards recognize, you know, one of the things I told the students was like, you know, it's okay to be feeling dejected or whatever. This is how, you know, this is just how the world works. Like, this is what popular votes are. Um, and I, I said, you know, whoever wants to come talk to me uh, to talk about what you're feeling about this, go, go ahead. And the next day, I, I, the next time I was in class, I realized that I hadn't, I had sort of assumed that everybody was uh, right. against what happened. Yeah. Um, so I went out of my way to say, listen, you know, last time I said this, um, I just want to clarify, like some of you might have actually been Trump supporters and voted for Trump. And if so, you're probably feeling stuff too. And like, come talk to me too. Like, I'm not going to like, I don't care which way it goes, but come talk to me because it can't for whatever disagreements you might have with somebody who supports Trump, they have their reasons. And I think they should be treated as human beings. And at least we should listen to, to what they're saying. 
Um, and I don't think so. I think more than anything, there's just this awkward social tension um, where people don't want to admit that they voted for Trump. But yeah, but it's not as if, you know, it's, it, there's no threat to freedom here. People can write op eds in the school newspaper. People can invite who they want. People can there's, there's this. It, it still to me appears like uh, like something healthy. I wish people would talk more. Like I wish, right. One of the things that really bugs me about the Middlebury um, people shouting down Charles Murray is that they were shouting, not that they were disagreeing. Yeah. It's, it's that they didn't, you know, like what you want is, is people to say like, here is why I think you're so wrong. Not like yelling at somebody and calling, calling them names and, and rocking their car to just to get them out. Right. And, Right. And when Jesse said that I called the, the guy out, that was what my, that was my intention with that. Right. I had walked into the classroom. Everyone was talking shit about this person being a Trump supporter. Then class began and he announced he was a Trump supporter. And so I pointed it out. I said, oh, you you voted for Trump. I'd love to talk to you about that sometime, you know, making right. it OK for people to talk to him about it rather than behind his back. Yeah. It's OK to engage him and you're pissed about it. OK, talk to him about it, you know. Yep. I think like this, this country was like founded on disagreement. And the minute we can't disagree without being complete assholes to each other that that's when I start getting worried but but like disagree and yell and write papers against each other and whatever you know but like if you can't talk to the person who voted for Trump then then it's a, then it starts getting scary so to, to to wrap this up to put a pin in this you're we do see and these they get a lot of media attention but on these and they tend to be more you know rich kid campuses um, yeah, I haven't heard any coming out of Cornell, but, you know, they're, they're coming out of Yale and Berkeley and, you know, both public and private institutions where people are being sh not allowed to get their even if they're pernicious, but to get their right. views out. Um, do you think that that's just like a, a, a very vocal, organized minority of students who are effectively opposing free speech? I, you know, the, the, so I definitely think that there is, there are groups of students who, who have such strong political views that, and who feel as if the, that there are people who are so wrong that they should not even be heard. Now, whether or not they are actively opposing free speech kind of depends on, on, you know, what we mean by free speech. But I, like, here's, Here's what I think. I, I think that it's a failure of the educators to teach these kids how to disagree in a civil manner. And and I, I take it upon myself to try my best to say, look, you're you know, protesting somebody coming is also part of free speech. Mm -hmm. And I think that that what makes me sad is that, you know, First of all, these kids are young, so I got to give them a break, right? You know, as we get older, we realize like what it means to be an 18 or 19 year old is to be in a very, very different state of mind. Right, right. right. They're they're energized, but they're not always the, at their most mature. So we need to teach them skills for expressing in a way that is not going to damage their very cause. And and, uh, you know, the civil rights movement had clear causes and clear sort of models for how to do this. Shit's just more complicated now. Yeah. It, it, it's just not so clear that there's this one law that we need to abolish. You know, it's more like I feel like you guys are all racist. So, like, I'm going to shout about you being racist. And it may be true that a lot of people are racist, but that's just not the best way to do it. I, I, I really feel like we need to explicitly give these kids an outlet for their energy that's constructive by by encouraging. You know, of course, I'm I'm saying all this shit and I don't have any solutions, but I but I think that it should be part of what it means to get an education to be able to face up to somebody who has views that you find abhorrent and have a civil discussion with them. Yeah. That's awesome. That, well, that is the perfect place to get the fuck out of here. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
it's almost too it's almost too serious to and listen i, I uh, didn't i wasn't asking you for for hard solutions because look yeah. this is we have the mantra on the show about moving the conversation forward and that's what this is right. and you know through several yep. you know hundred maybe conversations about this a solution I, will, you know will be come to I want to, can I give a quick little example? I had a, a, a guy in one of our shows where we were talking about child sex dolls. Um, uh, <laughs> Good times. This, very, got, yeah. very bad wizards, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> very bad wizards. We got this, I, I got an email from this guy. It was hands down the most, the nastiest, meanest, most disrespectful email I've ever gotten. Um, basically, he was saying how pedophiles are, um, persecuted and people are uh, complete jerks and assholes, unthinking, knee jerk uh, people who don't realize that like that it's OK to have sex with underage uh, individuals because they, in fact, can consent. It was a God rant, damn. a really, really long rant. Right? Wow. I, I I ignored it because I don't know if you come at me like that, if I'm like it was it was all it was just peppered with insults to begin with. Well, so and, so was this interview request that I sent you. <laughs> exactly. exactly. <laughs> uh, Sorry, I really just wanted to talk to Brittany. Um, <laughs> yes. And so and so I kind of ignored it because, like, to be honest, it really, really made me mad. And uh, he sent up some he sent a follow up uh, follow up email and I didn't realize it was the same guy. So so I replied to the follow up email and I was like, I don't know who you are, or what you're talking about. And he's like, I'm the guy that said this. And. I said, okay, like I'm going to take the time, which is rare because as you guys know, you can't possibly respond to everything. But I took the time to say, look, this is why I didn't respond. Like you came at me with insults and threats. And if you really want someone to take your view seriously, like then have a discussion, give me reasons to, let's talk about age of consent. Let's talk about what you think is, is, is wrong. And so then he emailed back another quick thing saying that he didn't think that he, he says, you're just pushing me aside. All you're doing, because I told him to write a blog post or a paper, he said, all you're doing is is avoiding me and finding another way to ignore me by telling me to write a blog post. And I wrote him back a long thing. And I was like, is this ignoring you? God I was damn. like, talk, talk to me. Like, tell me, what are your reasons? Like, I, you know, we posted an article by Jesse Baring on, on underage sex. And I, what do you think about that article? I was like, what do you think about this? What do you think about that? Like, let's actually engage. And and the reason I did it is not because I, I really think that he's going to convince me, but because all I heard from him was anger and bitterness. And I thought, you know, normally I would just be like, I don't have time for this. But sometimes I'm just like, if it could make the difference if you just take one person hmm. who seems so angry and bitter and emotional and you actually just take the time to patiently listen to what they're saying and engage them like a regular human being and maybe they'll do that then next time right maybe they'll you can provide them an example of what it means to disagree and talk and this guy hasn't emailed me back but but i take that as a good sign because because he was just so quick to <laughs> fire off insults as replies that I, i'm hoping that he's taking the time to actually actually present his opinion in a way that's more but he didn't get that this wasn't the way to be heard yeah right there was something missing there. And it's like, what? okay, what can I do about that? I can do something here. I can actually be an example of somebody who can teach him, hey, you'll be heard if you don't insult me first, right? It's, you'll be heard if you don't. Let me, let me say, and we'll wrap this up. Uh, yeah. It, it, it says a lot about your character. Again, this is S in your D a little bit, but this says a lot about your character that what you just described with someone with the most abhorrent of views <laughs> right. that you're you're talking yeah. about well, maybe i could make a difference here yeah. it's not yeah. fuck this guy this guy's a, right. a monster right yeah that's i i you know i probably would have tried to do some kind of ip search ip address <laughs> search and found him that that's right. but your your way which is also britney's way is it is the best way it just takes more effort and emotional intelligence i think right and and i can't i can't take credit for you know who knows how many people i've brushed off in that way there is something about it though that i was like you know man so much anger what's going on like i wanted to say like what's going on man like what's yeah yeah <laughs> like, yeah like what's going on and so so hopefully and and i find that 
in those these times where you feel like at your most helpless, Jesse, like you were saying, your your period of darkness there, that the one way to get out of those moments of darkness is to to find a thing that you can do to another human being that will do good, right? And and do that thing because I can't change the election. I can't influence majority uh, opinions. But what I can do is treat somebody the next day with a little bit more respect, you know. Perfect place to end. Anyway. Goddamn. That, <laughs> right. Talk about ending on a good note. That was awesome. D- Dave doing yeoman's work. Thank uh, you. <laughs> th- thanks for coming on. We, we Listen, I'm, uh, I wouldn't say super fan because I don't have the time to be super fan. But uh, I'm the guy who wrote you the letter about having sex with kids. So. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Jesus. Uh, it was all a test. Anyway, test. Uh, we, we love you. We appreciate you. Uh, keep on keeping on. I love you guys. No, well, you keep on. You do way more than I do. <laughs> <laughs> All right, stop. brother. Thanks for coming on. All right. Thank you. Thanks, guys. Bye. Bye-bye. Wow. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> That's it? Just wow? Uh, look, I'm I'm a happy guy. I, I, I don't know. I didn't want to go crazy about how much of a fan of the show I am and how much I, I admire and, and, and really... I have secret affection for Dave Pizarro, I guess. It's not secret. It is not, <laughs> not, not secret. Anymore, there was not. plenty of S and of the D's. And I I want to say, too, obviously, I'm a huge fan. We all listened to the praise that I gave of Very Bad Wizards when we were asked what shows we listened to. So I don't want to contribute to any more problematic erections. But <laughs> hey. There's never been a problem at every <laughs> single erection that has ever taken place, Brittany Page. You're right. Was well-founded. Yeah. And justifiable. I guess he didn't say it was problematic, but <laughs> I'm very happy that he had the time to talk to us, and it was awesome. Yeah, for sure. All right. Well, we're going to leave you there. We love you guys. We appreciate you. As always, we appreciate your support, your continued support of the show through Patreon and PayPal. Of course, your 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 ratings and reviews on iTunes. If you are on the fence about supporting the show through Patreon or PayPal, now is as good a time as any to join the family. You can go to dollamore.com on the left-hand side of the, the, the page there. It says support the show. There, there will be links to Patreon and PayPal and even buying shit on Amazon. We love you guys, and it's your support of the show that helps us on a, on a multiple times a week basis get these shows out to you. So until next time, for Brittany Page, Dave Pizarro, and me, this has been I Doubt It. There's a reason we get horny, and that is to, like, make you not think about the gross shit you're doing, right? Um, <laughs> That's the end drop. For- That's the end drop. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs>